The concept of bringing a sacrifice before God is for us to meet with him. He, he wants us to meet with him. And there's a place where a sacrifice is made, and we call it an altar, because that's a place of meeting. That's where I want you to come. And, and, he, and see, he, what he wants is that it's going to cost us something, that it's not frivolous, that it's not a, you know, by the way, oh yeah, Jesus bless my uh, hot dog today. You know, I mean, it's not, it, he wants us to take time and to care for our relationship with him. And uh, there were people that sacrificed all the time in pagan nations and so forth. But if you'll remember, they sacrificed to idols. They had wooden statues. God said, don't put any image of me because I'm not man-made. You can't understand what I look like. You can't catch the vision physically of who I am said, so when you're coming to worship me, you're coming to worship me, not a stick, not a piece of wood, not a piece of rock. You don't use your imagination to make some form out of me. When you come to worship me, you're coming to me, and I want you to get to know me and know my voice and hear me. And so he said this, you know, another thing is when he's sacrificing, it's not because he's hungry. Other gods, uh, people used to bring fruit and meat because they would appease the angry gods, give them food so they'd be nice with their crops and these different things. But that's not what God was about. In fact, God says this, look at this, First uh, Chronicles 29, 14. And he says this, for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. We're not giving God anything he doesn't already own. Right? I mean, so this concept that let's give God a piece of meat. Let's give God something that he'd like. Let's give him a grain offering. He's hungry for cake today. Let's get, you know, and God says, and a, a psalmist said, I'm not giving you anything that you didn't already give to us. It's just like how many of you, uh, some of you don't have kids. Maybe someday you will. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But many times when it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, or Dad or Mom's birthday, the kids ask for, you know, 10 bucks to go buy a present. Right? You know, it's my money. You go out and get a job at five years old. Give me a son. So in essence, when our kids give us things, it's because of the crayons I bought them with the paper I bought them and the time I spent with them to help them color it and write the words. We're not giving anything to God that he doesn't already have. He's not lacking something. And our, our praise and our sacrifice is giving back to him. What he wants is your heart. This is what God's looking at. And so he, what we give him is everything he's already given to us. And he's not hungry. He says this. The psalmist said this in Psalm 50, 12 to 14. If I were hungry, I would tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Right? He doesn't need a cheeseburger. You know, you're putting the lamb steak on the grill and it's because I wanted lamb today. He wants your thanksgiving. He wants your heart. That is just the means by which you make an appointment to get to him. Think of this. You have an entire nation of people. How are you going to get an entire nation of people to take the time to pray and give thanks to you personally? So he developed the sacrificial system so that they would understand they need to reg each individual needs to regularly meet with God. 
And the altar is a place of meeting. I'm afraid that we've gotten so blessed by Jesus, so used to the Jesus being our sacrifice, that what we do is we just throw God a bone now and then. You know, our time with God is based on, you know, if I got about 10 minutes to do a devotion. You know, if I have 15, sometimes I wonder if it would be better if we had an altar here where there was fire and smoke and you had to bring something to it. It would take time. Really? You know, I'm just talking to me mainly because I see my prayer life like this. Well, I've been thinking about you while I'm doing all the things I want to do. Right? I mean, it, it really took a lot. So look at the word offering. Those who were the priests that presented the offering, you were to come to them. The, word, the Hebrew word for offering is korban. And korban means to bring near. So the priests were to bring the sacrifice near, but if it was your sacrifice, you were to come near and you were to present the sacrifice. What was the point? To get near to God. To get close to God. And if you get close to God, then what he wants you to do is present the blood. Because the Hebrew understood that the life, there you go, the life is in the blood. So what it means to bring the blood of a life isn't the death. The death is to the sin. It's to a life that you have in God. You're presenting blood to bring life to your household and to who you are. And so he says, I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it's the blood that makes atonement by the life. How often are you thinking about your life and presenting it to God as a holy sacrifice? Now they were to bring the blood and they were to sprinkle it on the altar because the blood represented the life of that substitute for you. God was giving us a chance to get near him without dying. Because we're to bring that sacrifice, lay our hands on it, transfer our sins to that sacrifice, cut the the lifeblood of that animal so that it would give its life for your life so you could have life and sprinkle the blood. All this was God's provision for us. Meet him at the altar. Then you were supposed to burn it. So you take special parts. You're supposed to cut the animal open. You separate the fat and the certain organs out. And you present the meat and take the carcass away and put this thing before God on the altar. That's what the priests were helping you do. And then you would burn this sacrifice based on what sacrifice you were offering. And it would burn and the smoke would rise up into the heavenlies. How many of you enjoy a, your neighbor barbecuing? Or a good bar- you smell, you step outside and it's like, ooh, someone's barbecuing. And it always said that God, it was a sweet-smelling savor to God. But what I thought was really cool is because you're offering the sacrifice to God, not to an idol, not to an image, not to some other thing, but to the living God. And what would happen is the physical would transcend into the spiritual. The smoke would rise and people would see the smoke as the spirit rise into the presence of God. And God was pleased that you took the time to love him, to thank him, and to meet with him. That's what the sweet smell was. That's why he was saying in the psalm, I don't don't need meat. If I'm hungry, I'll tell you, but I don't need meat. I want your thanksgiving. The sweet savor is the love language between the person giving it and reaching out to God. That's what God wants. 
But see, we look at this Old Testament stuff. People criticize the Bible all the time. It's primitive. It's archaic. It's brutal. But they don't understand all the symbolism and what was meant by it and the preparation that it took. It was beautiful. There were five different offerings that they were to bring in the book of Leviticus. The five different offerings. One was the burnt offering. That was to burn so that that love would ascend as you, you confessed your sin and transferred it to that animal. Your devotion to God would rise up and it would be a sweet fragrance because God knew that you were sincere and that his grace covered you and you were in relationship. There's the grain offering where you're to take the grain from your, fee, your fields and your harvest and put those together and present these cakes before God. There's the peace offering, the fellowship offering. That offering that you offered, you had the chance that once it was presented to God to take the meat home and eat it. It was barbecue. It was good. You know, they didn't eat meat every day. We're used to getting a burger in the afternoon, having a steak at night, and having this and that. They didn't have meat every day, so it was quite a treat when they brought a sacrifice of a peace offering, fellowship offering. They got to partake in the meat that they had presented to God, and they got to eat it. And they felt so good, they couldn't wait to to have that offering presented to God. There's the sin offering where they could confess their sin and know that they're clean before God and that God would bless them. Last of all, the guilt and reparation offering so that if you offended God and didn't even know it, that, that you could come to God and say, God, forgive me. I don't know everything I sinned, what I did or didn't, but would you cleanse me by your grace? And I offer the sacrifice to admit my guilt or, and, and ask you to appease and, and be pleased with this. That cleansed their conscience. And so this was a system that God invented and what's interesting is how involved the participant was. This is my main point tonight. I'm not going to reinstitute having burnt sacrifice altars and offerings, but I'll tell you what, I think it might help us in our relationship with Jesus. I really do. Because this is what you would have to do. You would have to make an appointment with the priest. You would have to say, I want to bring a sacrifice to the Lord. So you had to commit to meeting with God. You knew you're going to the altar of God. You knew his presence was going to be in the fire. And as you went to the presence of God, you confessed. John says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all righteousness. So you got to take the time to prepare yourself to go to God. How many of us really prepare ourselves to go to God? We don't. We're fast food people. We want a fast food God. Come on, I ordered this yesterday. Where are you at? I didn't want pickles. But that's our mentality. And, and, and so it took time. Here's the other thing. You had to bring the animal from your livestock. So you had to go. And it's not just anyone. Give me the lame one. Give me the one that's going to die anyways. You had to find the one that was the best no spot, no wrinkle, the one-year-old that looked the best. You had to lose money on this deal. Huh? How many of us are willing to sacrifice finance? 
And you had to find the one, so it took you time. You knew you were not supposed to give the, the animal that was the mother and its child. You had to make sure you knew out of the flock which one you gave, when you gave, this the chance for this one to go. And you would take that lamb and you would bring it, or that bull, or whatever it was. And you had to look at it. You had to review it. Is there, is there a wrong thing on this? Right? Is there a wrong motive in my heart when I come to God in worship? Is there a wrong motive when I come to God in prayer? I have to check to see if there's any spot or wrinkle here, a blemish in me. And then you're supposed to lay your hands on the head of that animal. And it's not the priest who cuts the, the animal's throat, it's you. And so as you lay your hand, you're to, you're to, by faith, you're transferring your guilt, your sin to that animal's head. And you're feeling the heartbeat of that animal. You're feeling the warmth of that animal's body. And you're realizing this thing didn't do anything. This animal did nothing wrong. But I did. And I'm transferring my guilt to this animal. And so... He, the priest hand you that blade and you, you cut the jugular vein and the blood drains out of that animal and slowly that animal dies. And you feel the death. You feel the life coming out of that animal and the death going in. But what's happening is life is coming back to you. Then that animal is put on the altar and you are involved in butchering the animal and separating the organ. I mean, that's pretty involved, wouldn't you say? You would take this seriously. You would really pay attention to what's going on. And I'm afraid that we're not paying enough attention to our relationship with Jesus. I really don't think we are. And uh, I think it's time for us to do that. And through all of this, we have fellowship with God. We begin to see this animal, and we see the fire of God, his judgment, his purity, his power on that animal, and we see the smoke rise, and we see it go from the physical into the spiritual, and we recognize that I am right with God, and I have peace with God. And I'm still alive, and I shouldn't be, but God's grace is keeping me, and I'm satisfied. And if it's a fellowship offering, then you get to come home and bring that meal and celebrate. That's awesome. That's pretty amazing. And so all in all, you've got to ask yourself, where does Jesus fit into this? Jesus is all of that. You don't have to bring a lamb. He is the lamb. You don't have to go find the one without any defect or anything. He is the perfect one with whom there was no defect. His blood was pure. He is the spotless lamb slain for us without any defects, without any problem. Do we lay hands on him? That is the same as you putting your faith in what he did on the cross. By trusting what Christ did at the cross, you are in essence laying your hands on the sacrifice of God. Confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior is you laying your hands on that animal. But it's on Jesus. And Jesus bled out. Jesus gave his life so that you could have life. Oh, we, we think about that once a year on Good Friday. But God would have us meet him where? At the cross. 
always meet him at the altar where the sacrifice was given. It's the cross. It's what Christ gave us. And what do we have there? Fellowship with God. And God received him. And he is that sweet sacrifice and that sweet fragrance. The writer of Hebrews says that the sacrifice of Jesus was a sweet fragrance to God because it was the purest and complete sacrifice of all. And what was the fragrance? What was the sweetness of it? Not, not the smell of uh, an animal burning. It was the pleasure of fellowship that God is now resolved with man relationship restored completely because of the perfect sacrifice that's what gives you and i peace we've been justified by god we have peace with him it is ingenious this whole process of sacrifice and altar and animal is a genius way to individually impact people's lives that's what the cross is for each one of us it's an intimate opportunity to be in relationship with Jesus. Let's not just make it another meditation moment. Let's not make it something as equal as a, a yoga exercise. Can you put your whole heart? Because that smoke, that sweet fragrance, Jesus is that burning sacrifice, burning by his love. And that sweet fragrance is the Holy Spirit now that brings heaven into your body, into your life where you don't have to re-sacrifice any other sacrifice. You are living in the completion of all sacrifices, Jesus Christ. I just hope that motivates you today. While the world is so completely going mad with anger and frustration and being furious at the injustice in the world, yes, there's injustice, but can I tell you where justice and love met? At the cross at the altar. That's where you and I have to get our take on what's going on. That's where you and I have to get our understanding of where do I stand in all of this out there. You come to the altar of the cross and you get renewed. That's where it is. That's where you find the answer for your life and for everyone else around you so that you can share this hope. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we need you. We need you now. We need you to fill us. We need, oh God, for you to show us how to walk in these days. And what you're asking for is the sacrifice of our love to come to the cross and meet with you so that we could understand what true peace is, what true justice is, and the demonstration of your love. I pray that each one of us will go deeper and more seriously in our effort to commune with you because it cost you everything. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.